By definition, an antenna is a metal whip designed to receive and transmit radio signals within a given area. It's BS in the Morning on KSLQ and Westplex 107.1. You know, there's going to be a bill introduced in Congress to ban songs like that. Do you know about that, Shelley? Hello? Sorry, I turned my pot down. No, I did not, actually. Yeah, violent songs. It doesn't surprise me. They're they're going to ban those violent songs. Going to ban them. Can't have them on the air anymore. (laughs) What did you just say? I said you can't have that kind of song on the air anymore. It's a violent, terrible song. So that means one of your favorite songs is going to have to go the way of the dodo. Which one's that? Um... The one that Christy hates. Oh, <laughs> Foster the People. Yes. Yep, that one's, well, that one's okay because that one's from England. What? It's okay because it's from England. See, we have all these different. <laughs> yeah. Is that really true? It's it's okay it's when. Like, seriously, no, if it's no. from a different country, oh, it's you don't, fine? You don't understand how things work anymore. It's okay. No, I don't. Well, it's okay that Joe Biden has all these secret documents stashed in his garage in his house, but it's not okay that Donald Trump has them. And yesterday, it comes out that Mike Pence, Mister Clean, yeah, Mister Clean guy, who will not be in a room by himself with another woman. Did you know this story about Mike Pence? Maybe that's a belief, <laughs> um, a, a spiritual belief. Well, it's it's it, yeah, it is. But I always find it sort of interesting that. If you look at that from a different standpoint, that his philosophy is he doesn't ever want to be accused of sexual impropriety or stuff like that. I get that. Well, there's that as well. Yeah, I get that. But by the same token, aren't you essentially saying to a woman, I don't trust you in the room by myself? Is that what you're really saying? <laughs> I mean, if he's Mr. Clean, you know, Mr. Clean. There are some religions. It all depends on his religion, Brad. There are some beliefs that... that truly do believe that if you are a married person you you do not you're not in a car with an, with another woman Shelly I what I had a lady who worked for me that was like that matter of fact matter yeah, of fact so there you go well but it is just because he's a very powerful person okay here, doesn't mean he doesn't have his beliefs that he stays uh strong to okay here's the problem with that you know what the problem with that was when this lady worked for me we had a fleet of cars, and from time to time, uh, she was a full-time person, and from time to time, we needed to shuttle a car to get it repaired, and she would not allow anybody to, she would not help us with that because of the fact that she would have to drive back with another guy, one of our other employees. Yes. Well, but once again- There are that, people that believe that. But that screwed up my business. Because oh, sorry. because it's, she's going like I won't get in the, but the crazy part of it was you can't you cannot have penalized her for her belief. God, if I told you this whole story, <laughs> the crazy part of the whole story was that she was dating a guy in Tulsa, okay, in Tulsa, and he worked at a at a QT. He actually was a quick trip quick trip employee, and she told us how how you know you know which I mean, they actually paid pretty well. Well. But the interesting thing was, at the oh, time, she was not like a 20-something. She was probably, at the time, she was probably a 50-something. And she divorced. And the problem with that is? Well, no, no, no. Just, let me just finish the story. The The reason that this whole thing happened was that she she had all these religious beliefs when they suited her purpose. Get what I'm saying? 
Yeah, there's a lot of people that are like that. Okay, and one of the interesting things was, at the time, I had, shall we say, a seasoned citizen working for me, who at the time was in his mid-70s. Matter of fact, sad story. A seasoned citizen. Yeah, a seasoned citizen. Matter of fact. A.K.A. senior citizen? No, seasoned citizen. Matter of fact, he was a world war. Why why do you say that specifically about this gentleman? Well, here, let me me describe a little bit further. He was a World War II veteran. And he was as sharp as a tack. Matter of fact, one of my saddest days in my business career is that he died working for me. Literally died. That's the guy. Died working for me. Yeah. I mean, he Not had a lot of him. He had a heart attack. No, no, he had a heart attack. He had an aneurysm. He was out one of my drivers. He was out driving around. And all the other guys that worked for me on the road, we had all two-way radios. And, the, and, and he said, I'm sick. I don't know if I can drive anymore. And immediately, everybody said, Harold, where are you? We'll come pick you up. Do you know? Just pull off the road. Tell us where you're at. We'll call an ambulance. He refused to come back to the office. He came into the office. You know, one of my other people was waiting for him in the parking lot. He drove his car into the parking lot. You know, put the car in park and collapsed in the car. His foot went to the floor on the gas pedal. We had to jump in the car, turn the engine off a whole bit. Um, ambulance came. They stabilized him, took him to uh, DePaul Hospital out there at the Rock Road in, in 70. Uh, things were looking good. Bang! And then the aneur- aneurysm burst, and he died like in 20 seconds. And it was it was very sad. Anyway, Harold would have fun with her because of the fact that she would tell the story about how she was dating this guy from Tulsa, who we found out <laughs> by sheer coincidence that he worked he worked the night shift at Quick Trip, but he was a minister. He was starting his own church, sort of like a a a uh, Chris Highfield kind of guy. You know, it's yeah. starting starting a church from the ground up, and he was working to pay the bills. He was working the night shift at the Quick Trip in Tulsa. Okay, but there were times on Monday morning when she was supposed to be at work, she was late. Why was she late? Guess where she was coming from? Tulsa. I don't know. Tulsa. <laughs> and Harold would needle her about that. You know, her I won't say her real name because people might figure out who she was. And Harold would come in on Monday afternoon because she wouldn't be here on Monday morning. Harold worked a split shift for him. He worked mornings and he worked afternoons, okay? So Harold came in that afternoon and said to her, blah, blah, blah. Hey, where were you this morning? Well, I was a little bit late for work. Yeah, I know you were on 44. She was living on Tulsa time. <laughs> she was coming in on 44. You know, he says, you're coming in on 44. Seeing that boyfriend of hers. And he'd say to her, like, were you shacking up again within this weekend? And she'd go, well, well, no. We, we, we had, we, he had a hotel room and I had a hotel room. And he would say, like, yeah, and they were probably the same hotel room. You know, and she would get real embarrassed. because we knew, connected. Right. We knew what she was up to, but yet she was, she was super clean, you know? I mean, she was. It's called like, come on, like, like it's like not me. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the Joe Biden thing. You know, he can tell all the stories about. Oh, this is terrible. A president who's hoarding confidential documents. That's there's no there's no excuse for that. That's improper. And then they not find one, two, three. What they have the five sets of documents. You know, some of them in his garage next to Corvette, which Hunter drove. You know, it's like okay, get what I'm saying. Let he. I understand exactly what you're saying. Let he. Let what's the old saying? My favorite one. Let he who was out sin cast the first stone. And the idea being is everybody's a sinner. And I guess what bothers me is the people who 
try to play that they're, uh, you know, clean as the driven snow. In our case here this morning, the driven slush. <laughs> the snow, that was cute. The, snows, the snow did not materialize like they said it would. Right. No, it did not. Is, is it slush city at your place, or do you actually have any snow? We do have snow, but it is also slushy. But it's probably, what, an inch deep or something like that? Yeah, it's, probably. It, we were supposed to get, what, one point in time, they were saying 5 to 12 inches of snow and stuff like that. Although, looking at the weather radar, I have but to say. But it's still doing it. Yeah, I know. We're, I, I'm watching it right now. The front is, sl- this is a very slow-moving front. And right now, uh, if you are dry, trying to drive to Kansas City, good luck on I-70 because there's activity. It's either snow or slush all the way across uh state of uh, Missouri, with a little bit of rain in the Kansas City area. So apparently it's still a little bit on the warm side there. But uh, it's just too warm. It's it's officially at the airport, it's 34. So, wow. you know, I mean, I, I don't know what's uh, – do you have an accurate thermometer at your place? Um, I mean, one that's pretty, you know – come on. It's a light mint, wintry mix. No, I said a thermos, a thermometer. I meant a thermometer. Do you have oh, a ther- thermometer um, at your my place? my computer. And my phone. That's not what. <laughs> okay. Uh, we don't have a no. We okay. Don't. Now officially, Lambert is reporting snow, but it's it's not. It's supposed to, according to this, it's supposed to snow through. Oh, let me look here. Uh, no, I don't want Kansas City. I want St. Louis. See what do we have here? It's supposed to snow through. It's 10 thirty-three degrees at your place. 33? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 33. That's why it's all slushy. See? You know, and, you know, I knew last night, yesterday afternoon, it was still 45. Now, I know temperature can drop like a rock. We had that recently where it, what, it dropped like 20 degrees in an hour or something like that. That, well, that was right before we had that huge deep freeze around Christmas. Remember that? That was nasty. Um, and, uh, you know, temperature can just fall like that. But for the most part, it doesn't. It sort of has a slow, a slow escalation and de-escalation of temperature you like those technical terms mm-hmm. <laughs> meaning like up and down yes it goes up and down yeah but you you have to speak government speak you can't say well you know i we're... speak government speak yeah you don't speak government speak the way do you... not concur kjp speaks government speak the way you know the other people speak government speak you know that kind of thing okay do what i say kjp you know who she is no. We have now we have all these things we don't call it's 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 all women. We have RBG. Remember RBG? She's no yeah, longer with us. Yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then we have AOC and KJP. KJP's the spokesperson, the Corinne Jean Pierre woman, who who now <laughs> it's once upon a time when Biden first got in office, the only person asking her tough questions were the people from Fox, aka Peter Ducey, okay? Now everybody's asking her tough questions because she won't answer. You listen to her press conferences like, why even bother? You know. So what does she say? How does she reply? She just dances around everything. Oh, you have to talk to the Department of Justice. Okay. See, hey, hey, do you know someone like that? Oh, well, here. I totally know someone like that. Well, it, here, here's the – I can tell you my story in a county when I'm trying to get something done in a county – and I'm trying to determine if something was published as a public notice because this is something to do with one of our transmitter sites. I won't go into much detail. And so I had to go to the county office, and I had to talk to the clerk, and I realized there were two clerks. There was a, a court clerk and a 
civil clerk or something. I don't know. It was sort of weird. So I go to the one clerk, and she goes, no, we don't handle that. You have to go down the hall and talk to so-and-so. She's the civil clerk. So I'll go down the hall, and I talk to the civil clerk, and you know what she tells me? Oh, no, we don't handle that. That's the, that's the other clerk. I go, I just came from her office. And she says, talk to you. Oh, no, I don't have anything to do with that. I go back to the other lady, and I go, she told me, oh, no, 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 you have to talk to her. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like one time in this same county. Did you feel like you were being punked? Oh, well, one time in the St. Louis County, I had an issue with real estate taxes, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you went into the building, the assessor's office was on the left, and the collector's office was on the right. So I go in and talk to the collector, and she says, you'll have to talk to the assessor. I go across the hall and talk to the assessor, and he says, you'll go have, go have, going to have to talk to the collector. So I swear I did this. I said, I went across the hall to the collector, and I said, ma'am, oh. can you come here? Can you come right here to the door? And she goes, why? I go, just stand right here in the door frame of the hall. I go across the hall to the assessor's office, and I get here. I said, sir, can you come and stand right here? And he goes, yeah. Okay, now talk to each other. <laughs> they turned around and walked back to their offices. I actually could see you doing that. <laughs> but, and by the same token, I can see them doing that as well. But once again, you work for the same agency. I mean, you're, you know, in other words, you work for a county. You know, talk to each other. It's like you hear these, the, you know, the government agencies that I've had to dealt with, with our, you know, our transmitters and our licenses and things like that. It's like... Can't you call, if you're the XYZ agency, can't you call the ABC? Oh, no, we don't have that protocol. What do you mean you don't have that protocol? I can call them. Well, we can't. We're not allowed to talk to them. You work both work for the federal government. Can't you just talk to each other? No, we can't do that. God, no wonder nothing gets done. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. You I had, really, really do. I had that all with the FAA. When I fly I'm my, sorry? when I was flying helicopters, I would talk to one air traffic controller, and she would let me take off from one airport, and then I would try to land at an airport, another airport. She go, "No, I'm sorry, we can't let you land at this airport." I go, "Well, the other air traffic controller, uh, you know, told me I could land." She goes, "No, I say t- say no. You have to fly back to the other airport and ask her again for permission." They didn't do that. I'm making it up. Stop it. Because <laughs> first of all. <laughs> For the most part, the air They're... traffic. The, first off, let me say this: the air traffic controllers are human, so they have bad days. Ninety-nine percent of the time, they are excellent people who will, yes, who will go out of their way for any of the pilots. Now, sm- yes, they do. Smart off to them, and not much help. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you get do to be, you know who I am. If you, if you get to, if you get to be Mr. Smarty Pants on the radio, or Mrs. Smarty Pants, or Miss Smarty Pants on the radio, and the air traffic controller, aka Shelly Barr. <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't played your FAA Mobile 317 in a while. I need to play that, don't you think? You don't think? have to do that. I think I do. Okay, we have to take a break. I've got an interview this morning, which is going to be interesting because it's going to be, shall we say, somewhat controversial. But this guy contact... Who is it? Uh, we'll tell you next hour. This guy Give con- me his initials. Um, S-H. This guy contacted me, and I thought to myself, oh, I know him. I've met him once upon a time. And I thought to myself, you know what? This might be sort of interesting, because once again, I'll give you I'll give you a hint. He just got out of prison. And, Yay! And congratulations. And if you read any of the local news, if you have been plugged into local news, probably within the last five years, 
you will have heard his name probably on several occasions. I've heard. Well, never mind. Anyway, we got to take a break at 631. I'm blue. I'm blue. I'm blue. 636. You've never heard that song before. We did that a couple weeks ago, didn't you? When I played the other song, I'm blue, the one that that's based on by Eiffel 65. No. Yeah, we did. No, you didn't. We did. Mm -mm. Yes. Because even the smartest woman in the world talked about that. That's not by, you know, that's, they changed the lyrics. Mm. It's I'm blue, 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 blue. No? Yes? I, I don't remember. Okay. Um, I'll throw out a name. Ed Golterman. We've had him on the air here before. Yes. Okay. Ed is a guy who, can I be honest? I sort of feel sorry for him. Because he sits at home and all he does is post negative stuff on Facebook all day long. All day long. That's all he does. Maybe that's his um, happy place. Well, I think it's sad when that's people's happy place. And all he does is criticize. <laughs> he criticizes the city, and his whole deal is he's an opera singer, and his dad was an opera singer, and his father was an opera singer, and somehow or another... Like his, Pavarotti? Yeah, sort of like that. And somehow or another, his father or his grandfather was involved with with the Muni Opera, started the Muni Opera. And his whole thing is that the Muni has been taken hostage by... The, he says there's a cartel of the Fox Theater and and the and the people that own the Cardinals. The who's the, who are there? What's their name? The I, the I I don't know. Whatever the Cardinals people are, uh, you know that they have this cartel and they're they're running everything and they're purposely not using the Muni tools to its fullest extent and especially not the Keel Opera House. Okay, and I banter back and forth with him because. The stuff he says is so bizarre and so weird, I just have fun with him, okay? He yeah. crossed the line Monday when he posts on there. Who? Wait, wait, wait. Ed Golterman, okay? Yes. See, crossed, like. He I, crossed the line? Okay, here, I can open up my phone to Facebook, okay? Uh-huh. And I've got, like, I don't know, 4,500 friends on Facebook. Not bragging. I got a bunch of friends on Facebook, okay? Yeah, you do. Okay, I get. The little thing, you know, the thing that tells you, you know, hey, your friends have posted. You know what I mean? That thing, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, you have to follow them. Okay. On any point and any point in time, I can go on my Facebook notifications. And once again, having like 4,500 friends, he's number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight as posting. He posts on the average probably 20 to 30 times a day. And it's always about, he'll, he's on there about Channel 2, and he, and he cusses the reporters out. You know, you dumb, blah, blah, blah. You know, you reporter on Channel 4. And he's always saying that the reason, and it's sort of funny because there's a couple of media guys on there with me as well. He's always saying that the reason that there are certain things that are never talked about in St. Louis is because the owners of the Cardinals and the owners of the Blues and the owners of the new soccer team they pay us media people not to talk about it. And, and I'm thinking That's to myself. That's not true. Well, I, and one of the guys, I won't mention his name, who works at one of the TV stations and I know, he every once in a while he'll DM me or he'll 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 text me and go, Did you see what Ed said today? And and it's always about that, you know, that somebody in the the city government's paying off, you know, they're paying off uh and the the other the other, he he hates 
Stiefel, you know, because they have their, it's now the, the Keel Opera House, it's no longer the Keel Opera House, it's the Stiefel Opera House. Before that, it was the Peabody Coal Company, and he would always say nasty things about it. So he's always, all day long, you know, Camo X, you know, you're a shill, you know, Nets, mentions a reporter by name. Kevin Colleen, you're a shill, you're a shill for the downtown business people. Okay, all day long, that's all he does. Okay, the other day, he starts a post, this is on Monday, he starts a post with, we have... A, a very a, a, a wonderful person. I can't remember his exact something. And he's talking about Johnny Rabbit, okay? Who I know, okay? Yeah. And he talks about, you know, what a wonderful uh, asset we have to the city. But he's forbidden to talk about the Keel Opera House. Forbidden. He's not allowed to talk about it. He's muted by the powers that be. Why? <laughs> so. Well, first of all, why would that happen? Why would he say that? Why would he say that? Mm-hmm. Because he's pushing his narrative that there's the puppet masters that are controlling things. In other words, Got it. the the people that own the Cardinals, the people that own the Blues, the who is that the Stillwell or whatever his well, name they is. They do have reps to protect. Well, okay, so so I thought to myself, this is one hundred percent unqualified BS. This is more BS than Shelly and I have ever gone on. I mean, this guy's gone further than Shelly and I have ever gone on the air before. Although I should say myself because Shelly doesn't usually give me BS. So I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if I still have Ron Ells in my phone book, in my phone. I looked up. I don't. That's his real name, Ron Ells. I shouldn't have said that. Johnny Rabbit. We'll just call him Johnny Rabbit. So I go out on the internet and I search for his name. And I know approximately where he lives. Um... And sure enough, I get a phone number. And it's not a cell phone number. It's a home number. So I thought to myself, this can't be his number. So I dialed the number. I said, hey, is Ron there? And a nice sound like young lady. Might have been like his granddaughter or something like that. Because Ron's got to be, he's got to be close to 80, if not over 80 now. Because he was in the radio business back in the late 50s. So, you know, so you can imagine he's up there in years, okay? So she says, hold on. Who's calling? And I said, it's Brad Hildebrand. She says, hold on. So 20 seconds later, hey, Brad, how you doing? It's Ron. It's Johnny Rabbit. And I go, Johnny, long time, no talk. I work with him several times. I know the guy. Matter of fact, a couple different occasions, he, him and I had lunch together. Uh, you know, I mean, fascinating guy. He knows St. Louis history like nobody. I mean, like he, you mention a building and he can tell you, well, back in the 30s, that building was occupied by the blah, 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 blah. I mean, he's one of those kind of guys. He's still sharp as a tack. He's, if he's not 80, he's close to being 80. I mean, he's still, and he, on the voice, if you listen to him on the phone, you would guess he was like maybe 40, 50, maybe that's it. Okay. So I said to him, you know, we talked, you know, old times and people we knew in common. And I go, okay, Johnny, I called you for a specific reason. Ed Golterman. Oh, I know Ed. I go, Ed's on his, I said, are you on Facebook? No, no, I don't do any social media. He says, too much time, too much to waste, and all the there's all the people calling everybody names. I go, well, here's what, and I read it to him, and he just starts laughing. He goes, that's just baloney. And I go, well, Ed says that you're forbidden from talking about the Keel Opera House by the powers that be. And he goes, I don't know where he makes up this stuff. And he even laughs. He says, he says, all that guy does, he says, you're not the first person that's called me about this. You know, people will, you know, he says things all the time. And people knowing that I know the history of St. Louis will call up and say, no, that's not true. So I go, so in other words, he says, no. He says, I could go on. And he still works at KMOX. He works part-time at KMOX. He used to do a Saturday night show. He told me that he, they did the Saturday night show 
it was called uh, Route 66, where he played music and he talked about history of of the St. Louis area and the whole bit. And he, that stopped when when they had COVID because he was no longer the, the he said that Odyssey had a policy that most of the people work remotely, but you couldn't come into the building unless you were a full timer. And he was a part timer, so he was not allowed into the building under the COVID rules because he was part time and they he didn't do his show anymore. But he's still on the air from time to time on special programming like before Cardinals games, after Cardinals games, stuff like that. So he says, 100% baloney. I have no idea where he got that from. So I go on Facebook, and I just call out Ed Goldman that he's a liar, which he is. He's a liar. You said that? I said liar. He's a 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 liar. What did you say? Did you say, liar, liar, pants on fire? Pretty much. So what's interesting is then. So what did Ed say? Oh, he's you know he you don't know what you're talking about. You're you're you're. You've uh, only you're only like a you know been on the air since uh, you came out of the womb. Well, here's the whole thing. <laughs> the bizarre part of this is Ed doesn't realize this, but once upon a time I worked with Ed long time ago. They were auditioning people for the talk show on KSOQ back when Lee Ford left, and they were auditioning new people, and he was auditioned. And they didn't like him. And guess who got the talk show? You. I did. <laughs> so I don't think he's particularly. And I don't. I have. I probably. He probably doesn't remember that. But once again. Oh, he might. No, 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 no. You spout this baloney. See, that's people. The, people are weird, Brad. That's, they, that's the problem. They were, uh, you know, like Maya Angelou. Right. A person will forget what you said. A person will forget what you did. But a person will never forget how you made them feel. And that is so very, very true. So while he may not remember everything about it, he remembered how upset he was. I don't think he was upset. I think he was, you know, because because he's a singer. He doesn't want to, you know, I mean, he, like, for example, this is one of the things he writes on there. He writes on the fact that somebody uh, he he's he just rips up the tv stations channel two you know we're not journalists why don't you hire me you know and he he knows the news director's name have have so-and-so can't remember who it is at channel two have so-and-so call me i'll come in and and teach a week-long seminar on what real journalism is okay dude you know does you know, he have a degree no he does not <laughs> he's like i don't even know if he has any kind of degree he's a singer he's like matter of fact i can so well Okay, that would be Don't like think singers have papers. That would be like me saying, "Okay, your husband was in charge of the FAA here in St. Louis when he was still working." Correct? Yes. Okay, that would be like me calling your husband, "Hey David, you know what? You're doing everything wrong out there at the airport. Let me come in and show you how it's done." Okay, what would David say to me? Um He'd probably pop you like a tip. <laughs> Once again, I don't know. I but know that would be for me. I know that would be a perk. The only reason I know a little bit about the airport is a. I've been fascinated for years. B. I used to be a pilot, so and every once in a while we'd land when I was flying helicopters. We'd land out at Lambert. We'd fly through what they used to call the TCA. Now they call it Group B or Category B airspace, whatever the heck it is. They changed the names. Lambert used to be what they called a Group Two TCA. TCA was Terminal Control Area, which meant you stay away, <laughs> six-mile radius around the airport. Stay away. Get out of here unless you're a big, heavy jet coming in to land or take off. Forget about coming to Lambert. And so I know I know what I know about the FAA could, you know, your husband could talk for two minutes, and and I would be out of things to talk about with the FAA. Get what I'm saying? I don't know squat about the FAA. I know very little about the FAA. But yet if I said, well, I'm an expert. David, I could show you how to run that airport. 
You know, it would be like me saying, that would be like me saying, you know, hey, Bill Gates, you know, Windows is all messed up. Let me come in and show you how that operating system should work. Hey, hey, Steve Jobs, he's live. Hey, Steve, you know what? That iPhone's almost good. Let me show you how you can really make that iPhone good. People go like, let me show you how to use iMovie. <laughs> right. People go like, I'm still so jelly over that. Oh, yeah, because I got, I I'm, still cannot find something there's nothing. that is comparable there's, to iMovie there's for nothing. Android. There's nothing because Android is the inferior operating system. Excuse me? <laughs> it's 648. I have the Ron Cole Foldomatic bite me very much. <laughs> it's 648. <laughs> I play that one for Shelly. Why do you like that song so much? Um, Bar. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> Do you, you know, I just like that song. It's all the time. My all, song. All the time I've known you, I've never put that together. So in other words, have you ever been a bartender? <laughs> I have. Really? Where? Yes. Huh? Where? It's it's a long time ago. Oh, we want to hear. Inquiring, no, no. inquiring no, no. minds want to know. No, they don't. I've done bartending for, for uh, charitable, charity charity events. I've done that before. Matter of fact, years ago, when who was that? Community Living used to have the Community Living. They had the thing they had called the they called the the bartenders challenge or something like that. And what it came down to was. Uh, we used to have it at that, and that place is gone now. It was actually cool. It was a pool hall out there in St. Charles. It was in the same shopping center as Bass Pro. You know, like if you if you walk out of the door Bass Pro, there's that st- uh, line of stores on the left that goes right behind what used to be, I can't remember the name, a Fairgrounds Overpass, which is now Casino, or not Casino. No, it's, it's a, a convention, convention center, center way. Convention center way, right? It's the it's got the uh, it's got the uh, the uh, uh, roundabout on the one end. Anyway, uh, they used to have a thing there, and what was interesting was stupid little old me. You know, a couple small little radio stations that we have. I used to beat all the big boys. Matter of fact, one time I was there and I beat Dave Glover, and I got invited into the community living offices like a week later. We want to know how you did that. <laughs> I go, what do you mean how I did it? I just showed up. Here's the interesting thing. You know what the difference between me and Dave Glover was? Dave Glover. You were there and he was not? No, he was there. We had oh, okay. we had shifts. I raised more money than he did. Okay. I mean, this is no big deal. I, 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 did I know, you take your shirt off? No, no. I know Dave Glover very casually. I mean, him and I have some interesting past and our paths have crossed, but it's like two ships in the night. He, you know, he went to school at SIU Edwardsville and he lived over in that area. He lived over in, in, in Wood River and I used to spend a lot of time in the east side, not in Sauget, as you think. But, uh-huh. but anyway, sure. anyway, the interesting thing was... I can't believe you even wasted your breath denying it. <laughs> he shows up with his entourage and they show up with a table and they set up a table and they have this skirting on the table and there's a big picture of him with a big banner. I show up with nothing. I literally walk in the door with my cell phone and they and they and they hand me the microphone. What you had to do was you had to get the crowd up and and you had to get them, "Hey, we're raising money for community living, blah 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 blah." You know, "Hey, you know, buy a drink right now and and you know, proceeds for that kind of stuff." Okay? And Dave when Dave Dave was like very shy, which is sort of interesting. And he sort of was in the back of the room and he wouldn't come out from behind his table. I was walking around talking to people, stuff like that. So anyway. Work in the room. <laughs> well, once again, I'm there to raise money. You know, I mean, if you, if you. WTR. I, I was going to say, if you hire me, they didn't hire me. It was a charitable thing. 
And, you know, I was there working the room, you know, trying to get people to spend money, which they did. And some of the some of the people were selling stuff like I bought, you know, they some of the various they were like various organizations there, you know, supporting the charity. And and some of them were selling like I and I think I still have one of them. I had these these like Hawaiian lay like kind of necklaces, but like flowers on. But the flowers light up. I thought it was sort of cool. And the flowers like dance around the lights and the flowers dance around stuff like that. Anyway, so you got laid. <laughs> yes, I did. Twice. <laughs> I bought two of them. <laughs> this is what I did. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So, how do you talking about that? You know, you're going to I don't in, know. You're going to get me in trouble. Ed Golterman. He he's going to get me in trouble. How am I going to get you in trouble? You know, we need to call you're him. You're the one that's spouting your you know, I, whatever to Ed over Facebook. Well, it was Facebook. A, he's a liar. He's a liar, 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 liar pants on fire. He is. You know, and once again, you lie about somebody like Johnny Rabbit. Johnny Rabbit is a St. Louis icon, okay? I've been in the radio business a long time. He's been in longer than me. He's done He's done a hell of a lot more than I have done, okay? And I have tremendous respect for people who have, and he was a trailblazer, still is to a certain extent a trailblazer. You don't, you don't defame those kind of people. You know what I'm saying? That would be like me saying something bad about Nancy Pelosi. I will never do that. Well, maybe on Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that. <laughs> or me saying something bad about about Joe Biden or or Donald Trump or or you know or or you know or 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 Bill Clinton. You know, because I know Bill didn't have sex with that woman. I know for a fact he said it. I believe him. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to go search, what is his name, Ed Golterman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, you know, he's in a Hall of Fame. I'm in a Hall of Fame. He's in a Hall of Fame. He's in the Chronic Complainers Hall of Fame. That's the, the, the Hall of Fame he's in. <laughs> um, don't don't It's like, I told there's you. There's two Ed Goldtermans, okay, and you're friends well, with both of them. Okay. I told you my pet peeve in life. And I know people like this who complain they're broke all the time. Like, like for example, Frank Opinion. Oh, my God. Uh, everybody's treated me so bad in the radio business. I, I barely made $2 an hour. He's the richest guy in the radio business. He's made more money in the radio business. He's made millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yet, you talk to him, he's down to his last three cents. You know what I mean? I do not like people like that. I think that's disingenuous. And you know me, I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Ingenuous. Hey, we got to go. It's 6.59. It is BS.show 705. Snow's falling. Not nearly as bad as everybody thought. The roads are not great, but they're passable. We did not get 5 to 11 inches of snow. Uh, from what I'm hearing, most of the people that we're talking to this morning, uh, very slushy stuff, a couple inches maybe at best. Uh, it's supposed to snow through about 10 o'clock. I'm not saying it's going to be a piece of cake on the highways this morning, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as what everybody thought it was going to be. Which, once again, here we go again. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Oh, you're not going to be able to get out of your house for two weeks. It's going to be like like Buffalo, New York, when you open up your door. You know, the snow's going to fall in because the snow's going to be over the roof of your house, right? Isn't that what they were sort of making it sound like? Yes. Shelly is... No bread. <laughs> Yeah, no no milk. I, I, I was a dummy. Can I be honest with you? I went to Schnooks last night to buy just my dinner, and I went in the Schnooks, and the line for the self-checkout is like, there must have been, I'm not exaggerating, 60 people in line for the self-checkout. I turned right around, oh, not not eating here tonight, because I was going to grab 
a bagel. I normally I normally eat bagels from Schnucks. Except they do have good bagels. Except the one in Ladue. You would think that being in the Jewish That's neighborhood. That's because they're kosher. No, they're terrible donuts. They're terrible bagels in in Ladue. They're like hard hockey pucks. They're you know, kosher. Well, I don't know. They're they're maybe kosher, but they're not kosher in my mind because they're bad. Okay, Shelly, we talked about this last hour. There's a guy by the name of Ed Golterman who all he does is complain on Facebook all day long. If you don't believe, his name is Ed, G-O-L-T-E-R-M-A-N, one N, not twos. All he does is complain, 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 complain. And Monday, he put a blatant, his whole thing is, he says there's this cabal that the owners, uh, was the DeWitts, I just remember, the DeWitt family that owns the Cardinals and the so-and-so family that owns the Blues and the so-and-so family that owns, you know, the, the Taylors and the guy who owns uh, Worldwide Technology, uh, that there's like this cabal and they get together on Tuesdays and they decide what's going to happen in the city. They're, they're the, real, the real power brokers. And he's mad. And also the Fox Theater. The Fox Theater has, 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 has killed his thing, the Keel Opera House and, and the Muni. He loves the Muni. And all he talks about how great Kansas City is. Kansas City has this place called Starlight. If people know Kansas City, it is a cool place. But all he does is talk about that. So Monday he gets on there and he lies about someone that I have tremendous respect for, Johnny Rabbit. He writes on there, do you have, you're looking at it, he's got the exact, can you read the exact quote he put on there, the very first thing he put on there? Shelly's looking um, at all the posts. The very first thing yeah. he put, which, which just put me into orbit. I'm going like, he is just making crap up. This is 100% BS. Lie, 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 lie. Do you have the thing on there? I'm looking. Okay. Shelly's reading my comments. <laughs> I don't normally like, Wow. I don't normally do this on, on social media. I mean, I'm not a flamer. I'm normally, I'm like compliment or I'm kidding with people or stuff like that or I'm trying to, you know, push something the radio station's doing. I'm trying to promote our business and stuff like that. Rarely do I ever say anything bad about somebody, but this guy crossed the line. And the interesting part of the story is, then after this going on on his Facebook, he's he's somewhat apologizing to me on Messenger. He's saying, well, you're taking this too seriously. You know, like, okay, I caught you in a big... It sounds like he had his little feelings hurt. He's well, taking it because... kind of seriously. So what, do you want me to read the post the, that he posted? The very first post that started this whole thing. Did you find it, the original post? Yes. Okay, read Johnny Go... Rabbit is a St. Louis treasure to which... be admired and followed. Which is true. But... Yes, it is. But, dash... He is forbidden to ever mention Keel Opera House, which was the strongest music component of St. Louis when it was a real city. Right. Okay. I have. He, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you. His whole thing is that Keel Opera House is, and it's now the Stiefel Opera House, it's the center of the universe. And his whole thing is that if any talks about that, if they had a show there every night, literally, he talks about the fact that they have a show there every night, crime would disappear from the city. That crime would just disappear. There wouldn't be any crime anymore. It would be gone. I'm going like, yeah, right. And I got a piece of land, you know, in the swamp that I'll be more than happy to sell you. I got a bridge in Brooklyn, New York that I'll sell you. You know, I've got property, uh, you know, out north of the airport uh, that I could sell you. Oh, yeah, the government's out there right now cleaning up nuclear waste. Well, they'll be done in a couple of weeks, and I can sell you 10 acres there for probably a couple hundred bucks. It's just BS. 
And it ticked me off because he starts off right about saying Johnny Rabbit. That would be like me saying, you know, Shelly's a wonderful person. She's been with me for almost 10 years. Her and I do this talk show together. You know, I really enjoy being on the air with Shelly, but she's a terrible person. She drives down the highway at 90 miles an hour. She kicks little dogs in the store, and she pulls the wings off of butterflies. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, well, no, hold on a minute now. Which way is it? You know, or do you like her or do you not like her? You know what I'm saying? That's the way he starts out. He's this wonderful guy, which he is. I mean, there Johnny Rabbit is one of these guys that you talk to a hundred people in St. Louis that know him, and there's probably one guy that doesn't like the guy because he's one of those kind of guys. He doesn't ruffle feathers. He, if anything, he's sort of you know, sort of a uh, I don't want to say meek and mild guy, but he's just like. And a, he's always has a smile on his face. Right, he's always in a good mood. Yeah. When, when I talked to him on the phone on Monday, he's like, "Hey, Brad, how you doing? Everything going well?" You know, he's one of those kind of guys. Yes. You know, he's not a Debbie Downer, but Ed Golderman no. is. So you saw how I just lost. But see, the thing is, once again. I have this worthless, stupid degree. I have two of them Ugh, called journalism Brad, degrees. I, okay. Every time you say that, I think. And but but here, Neil let me Winter let me just finish would this. Would be so mad at you. Let me just finish this. Ed Golterman is accusing all these people that work at the TV stations every day. He's you know I just watched the Channel Five News. So and so, you are so stupid. That's what he writes. He's stuff like that. You you know better than than like for example, he's pulling up little things like like a, a condition is unknown. Why don't you find out what the you know like if somebody's in the hospital and they've been shot. The condition is unknown. Why don't why don't you reporters call the hospital? You know why they don't call the hospital? Because there's this thing called HIPAA. Yeah, <laughs> right? HIPAA. Right. Yeah. And like if Shelly goes to the hospital and I call, let's say she's in the hospital, let's say she's at, at you know, at where were you go? To uh, St. Joe's Saint West. Or okay, St. Saint- St. Joe's Saint West. St. Joe's West. Okay, Shelly's in St. Joe's West. If I call her on the phone, if I call the people out there at St. Joe's West, hey, is Shelly Barr in the hospital? I don't even think they'll confirm that anymore. I, I, but if I, I don't know the answer to that for, question. But for sure, if I said, what's wrong with her? Guess what they'd say? I'm sorry. We can't release that information, right? Yes. Right. That's HIPAA. You can't, and if you know what HIPAA is, with Health Information Privacy Protection Act or something like that, and ask anybody in the medical field, I know a little bit more about this than the average person because someone in my family who shall remain nameless used to run doctor's offices and the HIPAA thing it just is crazy lunatic stuff. I get the intended law, but it's like anything. It's the law of unintended consequences. It goes too far. So so Ed's writing. And so I did was I'm literally sitting in my car. I pulled up in a <clears throat> parking space. I'm going to get something to eat. And I'm, this is like Monday afternoon. I literally pull up and my phone goes off. You know, it's a it's a Facebook post. You know, that I, I read this. I go, this guy is so FOS. You know what I mean? So I literally think to myself, I told the story. I go into my phone book. I'm going to find his name. You know, is Johnny in my phone book? He's not in my phone book. I go on the internet. I go on Google. Search his name. Bang. I get a phone number. I call the phone number. His daughter answers the phone. And I said, hey, can I talk to blah, blah, blah? Ron, I said, Mitch's real first name. Yeah, hold on. Who's calling? Brad Hilderbrand. Okay, thanks. 20 seconds later on the phone, 
hey, Ron, how you doing? Talk, haven't talked in a long time. You know, him and I, oh, Brad, you know, I mean, once again, he's a great guy, you know, remembers me, you know, remembers all the times him and I've been together, remembers we've been on the air together on the old KSOQ way back when, when he did mornings for a while at the old KSOQ. Matter of fact, he couldn't, He this is interesting, he couldn't use the name Johnny Rabbit on the air because the company that owned KSOK still had the trademark for Johnny Rabbit. So he called himself J.R., JR on the air because he didn't want to get sued. He didn't want to get the station sued. This, well, actually, the station told him, you can't call yourself Johnny Rabbit, the old KSOQ, because they still had the trademark on Johnny Rabbit, and they threatened the station. If you put him on the air and let him go on the air as Johnny Rabbit, we will sue you because we still have that trademark. Okay, so I talked to him for like five minutes. I go, hey, good talking to you, Johnny. Here's the real reason I called you. Ed Goldman wrote this article on his Facebook page, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, nah, he laughs. He goes, no, that's not true. I go, has, has anybody ever said anything like, no, never, never, never anybody. Ne- why would people, he said to me, why would anybody come to me and say, Johnny, you can't talk about this? I go, well, that's what I thought. So that's when I put the post on there about how he's a liar. And he is. He's a liar. Like I said, liar, liar, pants on fire. But see, once again, why does this hit me stronger? You know part of the reason. I have had I have had people defame me. I mean, it's going on right now. I have a situation. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes. Okay. My famous story that I've I told you one time before. My old friend Randy Bluestone, who left us way too early. God, I think he's been dead ten years now. That's sad. sad. The guy who started the country club car wash started with one yes. right there at Zumble in '94. Now he's got I don't know. Eight of them. His wife and his partner, his widow and his and his partner run the car washes. One day, should I tell the story or not? Um, it's it's your it's your story, man. You tell it or do you don't tell it? Well, you always think it's funny when I tell this story. Okay, so I tell it. Okay. One day, I shared an office with him. I was in, he had a building, and I had an office at one end of the building. He was in the office at the other end of the building. And when I drove into my office, I had to drive right by the window of his office. So one morning, as I'm pulling into the other end of the parking lot of this building, my phone goes off, and it's Randy. I see his name come up on the phone. And he says to me, hey, he says, when you get settled in, come down to my end of the building, and I want, I want you to meet somebody. And I go, who is it? And he goes, just come on down when you're done. So I go, you know, put my stuff in my office. I walk down the hall. I go to the door of the, you know, of the office. And as I walk in the door, he puts his hand up like, don't say anything. Just stand there for a minute. So I stop in the door frame. He's at his desk on the left. There's a lady who I have no idea as uh, in, in his couch across the, you know, she's like, he's had like a couch in front of his desk, you know, like some like office like that. And she's on in front of his desk. I have no idea who this woman is. Had never seen her in my life. So they're talking about something. And Randy says, hey, tell me more about that Brad Hildebrand guy. <laughs> so she goes off and just slices and dices me. Tells about how I'm a terrible person, how I should be in jail, blah, 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 blah. I'm a swindler. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a child molester. I'm a this. I'm, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, who is this woman? I have no idea. And Randy's sitting there with his S-E-G 
look in his face. Get what you know, SEG, you know what I'm saying? I absolutely know what that is. <laughs> he's sitting there, he's got this weird smirk in his face. She goes on for ten minutes. I'm standing there in the door frame and she's just ripping me apart. I'm going like, I have no idea who this woman is. So, so, so Randy says to her, as she gets done, Randy says, it says, she says, you know him real well. And she goes, oh yeah, I know him real well. He's a terrible person. So Randy says, says, see that guy right there? And she says, yeah. And he, she says to her, do you know who that is? And she goes, I have no idea. She says that. He goes, that's Brad Hildebrand. <laughs> Randy, shaking for, my head. For like, that is hilarious. For like a month after that, every day he would call me. He would just start. Can you imagine? And I won't mention her name because she still might be around. But <laughs> I'm going like, I had no idea who the woman was. I'm going like, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know her. You know, so Randy got the biggest kick out of that. If he were alive today, I could call him up and he'd still be laughing about that because he thought it was so funny that somebody who would torch me and, you know, just tear me apart and I'm standing right there and she doesn't know it's me. You know, I mean, like, don't you think that if somebody knew me that well, they'd know what I look like? I mean, especially... Um, Maybe she had met you once or twice. Oh, God. And um, she just didn't remember you. I'm I'm like that. Yeah, but no, hold on a minute. Evidently, I meet people three and four and five times and don't remember them. Well, but there's a little. They don't like that. But there's a little bit of difference. Is that if that if you know, first off, you know, I have an issue with with now with the internet. There's too much negativity in the world. Okay, you open up your there Facebook page. There is too much negativity you open in up, the world. You open up your Facebook page and people are, you know, especially on Twitter, you got the Twitter wars, you know, people are complaining. You know, you open up any of the news sites, you know, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, it's almost all negative stuff. I get it. You know, once again, I understand that if you if you decided to turn Fox or CNN or, or MSNBC into a positive news site, nobody would go there anymore because people don't like. That's true. People It'd be don't like. Um, right. It would be you know people not don't, Pleasantville. It right. would be Demolition Man. Right. It's the reason why the National Enquirer was popular for so long because they're dishing it dirt was. in there. It's My like Grandma lived off that. It's what and mysteries. Well, it's like why TMZ is solvers. so. It's like why TMZ is so popular, right? Because they're always digging dirt on the celebrities. You know, I mean, it's to the point where it's like, okay, now, once again, if you rise to that level of celebrity, you've got to expect that. You've got to expect that people are going to come after you. You know, I, I mean, agree. The, yes. the big thing right now is I watch all these guys on YouTube, all these car guys, and some of these guys have gotten famous within YouTube. I mean, some of these guys, they put out a video, they get 2 million views. You know what the big thing is? You know what they're all complaining about now? What? Their fans show up at their house. Well, guess what? You're a celebrity now. Guess what? You go to to Hollywood, and what do they do? You can you can rent you know you can rent an Uber guy who will drive you around, or you know, in other words, you can go on a tour of of Hollywood. Matter of fact, there was a guy that ran t- 
tours of Hollywood, or specifically he ran tours of Hollywood about O.J. Simpson, and he bought a fleet of white Broncos. And you would, he would, would you and, and four other people. He would, I mean, he would be the driver. You and the driver and four people. So in other words, he could have four people. You know, one in the front seat, one in the passenger seat, and three across the bench seat in the back. And he'd drive you through L.A. Well, this is where O.J.'s house used to be. They tore it down, and this is where you know Nicole Brown Simpson was was killed on the steps with Ron Goldman, you know, I mean, and I mean, like, that's just life. You know what I'm saying? When you get to be a personality, you get to be a star, whatever. And on this level, even though these guys are somewhat minor stars, but they're like huge YouTube celebrities, people are going to track them down. And not only that, when they show pictures of their house, their fancy schmancy house that they just spent $3 million. And then they show, they, then they show, uh, you know, um, uh, drone footage of their house and you can pick up from the neighborhood you know I mean you ever done that before have you ever seen like drone fi- footage of like your area and go like oh that's where my house is I, I no I haven't well one of the things when I used to fly helicopters that was one of the things we used to always do was we used to we used to fly you know people Kinda hey where do you the tower well, I told you the story <laughs> here's another Alan Barkley story when this goes way back, when the army first took delivery of the Black Hawk helicopters, that's been a long time. So you know how old this story is. Yes. Okay, there was a hot guy, and I still remember his name. He used to be a Channel Five. He was a meteorologist, he's a weatherman, Howard Demir on Channel Five. He retired from Channel Five, and he got hired by the army here in St. Louis as a public relations guy. So one day he calls me up and he says, "Hey, we got this new helicopter coming into town, and we'd like to know if you want to do traffic from it." I go, "What is it? It's a Sikorsky UH-60, a Blackhawk." Yeah, I'll do traffic. So I call up Alan because Alan at the time was working at the other station. He, we were him and I were competitors. Hey, Alan, he says, "Are you calling me about this Sikorsky?" He says, "Yeah." I go, "I'm in. We're gonna fly together." So we get in the helicopter over by State Parks, and Alan is sort of a legend in, in you know, at least he was in. Army aviation. So the the pilot and co-pilot and the crew chief know about him. So they're like all excited. Mr. Barkley, how you doing? We're so happy to be, be fly with us today. So one of the pilots says to him, any particular place you want us to go take a look at? We're tra- flying traffic. So Alan says, yeah, there's this lady that sunbathes, that, that's in her, in, her, in, her, in her spa in in her house out in West County, and, and she's in the noon in the morning. She goes in there with no clothes, and we fly over her house all the time. We wave at her. So we, they go, okay, we're going out there. That's funny. So so here, here this Army Blackhawk helicopter takes off. We fly directly out someplace out in Chesterfield, so Alan's talking to him, you know, on the on the on the headset because it's a super noisy helicopter. And sure enough, here's this lady, and she's got like a privacy fence, and she's got a big privacy fence around her, or what it's spa sauna, whatever you want to call it. And she is buck naked, okay? And we're like flying a hundred feet over her house in an army Blackhawk helicopter. We're doing orbits around her house, and she's waving at us, and she's naked as a jaybird. <laughs> Without apparel. Yes, I'm going to myself. Only Alan. Only Alan would do this. You know, here we are. And once again, if you've ever had an Army helicopter, an Army Blackhawk, about 100 feet over your house, it probably was shaking pictures off the walls. You know what I mean? No, but when they did my street, things were coming off (laughs) the walls. Yeah, because that's a little bit different. So, (sighs) Oh, okay. Well, either way, it was the same outcome. You know... Why did I wish I could have known Alan Barklage. I mean, I knew him as um, 
a listener. Yes. But I didn't know him as you knew him. Right. And I just, that's one of the things that I miss. You know, life is so unfair. Why did the good die young? Why do you have incredible people like Randy Bluestone, who um, unfortunately died way too young, uh, Alan Barklage, who unfortunately met his untimely death exactly how his wife feared in an experimental aircraft that, you know, that, that malfunctioned on him and wasn't his fault. You know, he did everything he could to try to, you know, avoid from crashing, but he couldn't do it because the, the, the engine just seized up and he, he was too low and he couldn't auto-rotate. Why do people like that leave us too early? And why do crumb bums, jerks, terrible people that you read about in the paper, like these nutbags that go and shoot up places and, you know, shoot up a, a Chinese, you know, New Year, you know, Lunar New Year, whatever thing, and kill tell pe- 10 people or 11 people because he wants, he wants to get his wife. Why do those people exist? Why is it? I don't know. You the know balance that, of good and evil? That's a question for Chris Highfield. Okay, our special guest. It is. Our special guest, Sean Hayes, is coming up next. And this is going to be interesting because you talk about people that do not like certain people. Sean Hayes is on the list of a lot of people. Very that, polarizing man. Yes. You either love him or you hate him. So Make sure your, and, your and, recorder's and, on, buddy. By the way... He called me, contacted me about this. He's got a book, and I need to talk to him about that. It is on Amazon. It is a number right now. It's like, you know, they have a like thing. No, bestseller. It's mm-hmm. like best-selling book on Amazon right now. Okay, we have to take a break. It's 727. It is BS.show. I forgot to do that. It's BS.show. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. Together we make BS. Shelly, you there? She is not. Uh, apparently she's taking an extended break here. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go ahead and move along without her for a minute because I have a guest on the phone. And interesting because, and I'll tell right up front who this is. This is Sean Hayes. Good morning, Sean. How you doing? Good morning, Brad. And Wonderful. Not the Sean Hayes from the TV show, correct? <laughs> correct. No, I say it's, I say SeanHayes.com who spells his name right, S-H-A-U-N. <laughs> right. Okay. Right off the get-go, you are, shall we say, a very controversial person. Would you deny or confirm that? I would confirm that and have been all my life. Have been all your life. You have a very interesting background. As a young man, you got into the banking business. What, at like 29? Well, I started out of college at 20, but on my own at 29. Yes, just like you, a guy who is very entrepreneurial. Guy, well, <laughs> I think you've done a lot better than I've done, but that's a whole other story. So at one point in time... Uh, your claim to fame was you took a relatively small bank. Which bank was that? Allegiant Bank. Allegiant Bank, which didn't even have offices in the St. Louis area. It was mainly down, what, at Southeast Missouri? Wasn't that where it was? Well, no, we started in Northeast Missouri, and, and we ended up with 38 between the Arch and uh, Warrington and uh, Hazelwood and DeSoto. And 38 branches? Yes, sir. And you sold that and made quite a bit of money? We did. We were very blessed. Okay, and, and that which, at that point in time, made you a multimillionaire? Is it safe to say that? Yes, I was very, very fortunate. Okay, but then things started to change for you. I got lost. You got lost. And what I want to say is how I met you, and you said that's been more than 10 years ago. What is it, like 12 years ago or something like that? Yeah, and I remember you even before that because as a young man, I, I, live, I still live on the radio. It's the first thing I did this morning was turn on the radio. 
And uh, and so I remember your reports and followed you. And then all of a sudden, one day I found out you were in business for yourself. That's why I said you're an entrepreneur as well. Yes. And what's interesting is you contacted me, I guess, on Monday and essentially sent me a direct message. I, first, there was a friend request on, on Facebook, and then you DM'd me. And you told me you had a new book out. And I go, well, let me take a look. You sent me the press kit. And I took a look at it. And I go, hey, would you want to go on the air with me Wednesday morning at 730? And guess what? Here we are, right? Um, and I thank you for having me. I really do. And quite honestly, I only reached out to people I knew because I've never done this before. And I was, it was gracious of you to let me come on. Now, before I put you on the air, I asked you up front, and I just want to make sure that, that everybody knows this. I said, what's off limits? And you said, nothing. Nothing. So, Sean, and let me tell you this story, how I met you in person. A guy by the name of Richard Miller, who ultimately you went into business with, with his banks, I believe, uh, Truman State Bank, um, called me up. Is that probably been like 12, 13 years ago? Yes, sir. And called me up and wanted to buy my radio stations. And at first, I thought he was kidding. I used to work for Richard Miller. Did I ever tell you the story of how I got fired by Richard Miller? No, but it'll be funny, I'm sure. I got fired on Christmas Day, 1980, by Richard Miller. Oh my gosh! <laughs> he called me on the phone and said, "Listen, boy, listen, boy. We don't. We won't need you anymore. Thanks for coming in to Christmas, but uh, uh, this is your last day. Sorry, bye." That was how I got fired on Christmas Day, nineteen eighty. Okay, so so I didn't have the utmost highest opinion of Richard. So Richard calls me up one day. I thought it was a joke because, as you know, everybody in the St. Louis radio business does their Richard Miller intim- Im- imitation. And one of the funny things is we call each other and we pretend we're Richard. Did you know that happened? No, I didn't. This is great. I can believe it, though. (laughs) Because he had a distinctive style of talking, okay? So I met you because Richard wanted to put together a deal where he was going to buy my radio stations, and you were going to essentially write the paper, fund it. Wasn't that the deal? Yeah, we were we were part. We looked at several radio stations, uh, and then I figured out that I didn't want to be Richard's partner in the radio business because Richard has a somewhat dubious reputation in the radio business. And you said to me already off air that Richard was essentially trying to, I guess, would it be nice to say, trying to screw me? Uh, yeah, but tell you, very much so. I never seen somebody who went into a deal and said, "We're going to give him this much money," but I don't ever intend to pay him any of the paper that I'm giving them. And right. I was shocked. And that was the deal. Richard wanted to, when Richard wanted me to take a, a loan on the station, I was going to hold the paper and he was going to pay me. And yet when I told a couple of my friends that I had this meeting with Richard Miller, he wanted to buy my stations. They all went like, did you, did you, did you make sure he didn't pickpocket you while you were in the meeting? Because that was a reputation he had. Okay, so now on to you. You make all this money, you take Allegiant Bank and you came out of that, you sold, and who did you sell that to? We sold it to National City Bank, which at the time was the seventh largest bank in the country. Okay, and then you started doing your own thing where you started helping other banks, correct? Well, I spent four years with them, and that was the beginning of my downfall because I had been, like you, a guy on the ground, and uh, I, I like to use there's a book called Guerrilla Marketing. I looked at my businesses being on the ground and touching everything, and when you spend four years with a company of 35,000, 36,000 people, um, you lose your identity. And that was the beginning of the end for me. But I didn't realize it at the time, Brad. I slowly got myself into this mess. And what you did was, and let's be honest with you, uh, be honest with, with our audience, you just got out of prison not, not that long ago, right? About three years ago, yes, sir. And you were in for how long? Uh, for 37 months. Now, I'm going to mention a name, 
at one point in time, I had a real estate agent who was working with me on trying to do some real estate deals, and she was a good friend with Michael Litz, and you know that name well. Yes, sir, I do. And you were involved with Michael Litz on, quite honestly, a lot of shady deals. Would that be safe to say? I, I would say in the gray. I don't, you know, I, here's what I would say about Michael. And I said this about him 30 years ago when I first met him, because his brother was a, is a very prominent uh, securities lawyer in town. And I said, Tom is black and white. There's 50% black and 50% white. And I said, Mike is 1% white, 1% black, and 98% gray. And so... I would agree with you. He, he worked in the margin. And that's why my book's called The Great Choice. Right. And we'll, we'll make sure and talk about the book because I was sort of that. fascinated to see. It's not even it's not even available yet, correct? Correct. It comes out uh, Tuesday the 7th. But it's already on like the, the Amazon bestseller list or something like that. Did you see that? Yeah, I've been, I, I couldn't believe it when somebody sent me that. And it's been there just because uh, it's of interest. And far more interesting than I would have ever thought. I did and the book wasn't written for this purpose. Uh, obviously, I want to sell books, but you don't make money in the book business. You probably know more about that than I do. Right. Because you've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people about it. Right. The book business used to be a, a lot of money, and now you're lucky if you can make any money in the book business. Okay, so you were involved with Michael Litz, and you were involved with – he did a lot of real estate deals where he was buying houses and renting them and reselling them and stuff like that. And you both got caught – explain what you got charged with. <clears throat> Well, I got charged, with, and I pleaded guilty to, and I was guilty of bank fraud. And here's, and this is a little background on how you get there, Brad. I, one, I'd been so successful, I didn't feel I'd do anything wrong. You got to remember that. This is, I'm, I'm trying to warn people in a way here. And two, I, uh, I, I watched the world melt down in really in 2008, and I lost. There were months where I was losing 10 million dollars a month, and so my back's against the wall. And Michael and I had become involved in a, in, in a partnership that was going to build a Target. And, of course, when 2008 came, Target didn't build it. And so what I did was I took and I manipulated documents in a way not to get money. I didn't get money, but I bought myself time. And in, re in reality, I bought myself literally about 11 months. And, uh, and it didn't work out. And thus I was caught, as I should have been. And... Uh, and then there goes the party. But in the banking side of the world or in a financial crime, it isn't like you rob a 7-Eleven or a quick trip and, you know, 30 minutes later they're after you or three minutes later. It goes on for years and years and years. And this happened in, in uh, August of 2009. And uh, I wasn't even indicted until April of 2016. So essentially seven years later. Yes, sir. Now. Unfortunately, this the story. You and Michael Litz were both, uh, uh, and he did he plead guilty or did he try to go to a trial? I can't remember that. Well, he, he he pled guilty. What I tried to do, and, and this is this is an interesting thing. If you have a court of law thing, is my my crime was so complicated when I pled guilty, I had to actually explain it, and and we thought at one point we could probably win because it was that complicated. The problem was, is Michael had nothing related to me. Had done two hundred and twelve owner carry back mortgages for people in St. Louis, and he didn't pay the first mortgage, the bank. And they said, Sean, they're going to bring 212 families into this courtroom, and you're going to sit at the same table, and they don't care that you weren't involved financially, any which way, you're going to be at the same table, and you're going to get 20 years. So quite honestly, Brad, the 68 months that I pled guilty to uh, was was a relief, and uh, and I'm sorry to say that. Now, the sad part of it is, I mean, a lot of this is sad to me, but and you, I know this had to be personally uh, devastating for you. Michael Litz and you were supposed to report to prison. 
Michael Litz instead rented a room out in Chesterfield and committed suicide rather than go to prison. Yes, he did. And I, I will back up for a second and say one, and, and I say this in the book, I contemplated that in 2016 before I was indicted because not only did you get fired on Christmas, I found out uh, one week before Christmas in 15 I was going to get indicted. And the lawyer I met with, this is back to another thing that your listeners, when they hear things on the news, it's true. The lawyer said, well, we can really help here, but I want a quarter million dollars to defend you. Uh, and at the time, I chose not to spend that. Um, so it does, money does matter. And, and Michael, uh, Michael had good counsel, and he pled guilty, and he chose not to show up. I had a unique route, if you'll give me a minute here. When I, by the time I got to prison, um, I was uh, I started serving in um, in April of 2017. By the time I got to prison and on on the first day of uh, summer of 18, I had I had spent 14 almost 15 months in the Warren County Jail, and so when I got to where I went to prison, I was literally the only white collar criminal who'd ever been handcuffed. I never went to court that I wasn't in shackles and handcuffed. And, uh, and Michael never spent a day incarcerated and was never handcuffed, which is common with, uh, with crimes like we committed. So I didn't have contact with him for a long time because I would have told him, it's, it can always, as I say, something my dad always say, it can always be worse. But once I got there and I'd been there for a long time, it isn't as bad as what I think he thought it might have been. It's a really very sad thing. You're right. Now, you've, the book you've come out with is called uh, Great Choice. And essentially, you alluded to that with Michael, that there's black and there's white and there's gray. And you took the gray choice. I did. And and I, I, look, I use the analogy, I owned a healthcare business after I was uh, out of banking, after I committed the crime. And I had a friend who was a pilot. And uh, we were down in, in Joplin one day, we were flying back to St. Louis, and we'd been flying for several weeks in a row. And he said, Sean, will you take the, uh, you know, will you, will, you, will you fly the plane? And I said, really, I don't want to, Rich. He goes, well, something happened to me. You would need a very nice twin engine plane. So I finally did, Brad. And, you know, there's a, and, and you may know a lot more about flying than I do, I think, given your background. Um, he, uh, he, he uh, I don't know, five minutes later or so, he said, Sean, I need to take over again. Maybe it was 10 minutes. And I was the most relieved man in the world. <laughs> and, he, and, and, and I thought it was because, you know, I was done. And he said, Sean, he goes, I had to because you were a little off course. And in a few minutes, they would have scrambled F-15s from Lambert because we would have been over Fort Leonard Wood, which is, which is restricted airspace. And if you, in flying, if you leave that, if you leave Los Angeles and you fly towards DC and you're one degree off, you end up in New York. And what happened to me was, given the amount of years I operated in the gray, the time and the distance I traveled, I went from that light gray, which is not illegal, to the black. And, uh, and, and of course I knew it by the time I got there, but it was so easy to flip that switch. Somebody asked me a, a few weeks ago, well, did you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to go from, you know, being a good honest, I had a gaming license in six states, which is far harder than buying a bank. They look at everything you do to committing a crime. And the answer is no, you take one step at a time. And if I may, the first day I was, or the first month I was in banking, they put us in a, uh, a class from a big company to personality test us. And the first question was, have you sold anything from this company? And most of the men and women in the room had been there for months. I'd been there for maybe a couple of weeks. And I answered no. And then I asked the guy the question about, uh, the, the gentleman administering the test about this question. And he said, you have to answer yes. And of course I said, why? And he said, because at some point you will steal something. And when you think about that, Brad, it starts with a pen or a notepad. 
And then I remember very early on, a guy that was older than I was set me up on a blind date, and we took girls to the baseball game on the bank. Of course, I gave him like $90 in cash to pay for mine. I noticed he paid with a company credit card. And it's just that one step and that one step and that one step. And then one day I woke up and I'd done something uh, horrible. And, so, um, and I paid a terrible price. So you've been out of, of jail for how long do you say again now? Three years. Okay, the book. You come out with this book, and here's here's an interesting question. Are you familiar with what they call the son of Sam law? Um, well, I know I, I pay restitution every month. I do. Yeah. Okay, but do you know about what the son of Sam law is? Yeah, you can't you can't you can't make money on your crime. Correct? Right. So, are you making money with this book? No. I, like I said, I don't think it will make money. I wrote the book for this reason, and, and there's two reasons. The first reason is, and I say it at the end, if I keep one person from making the decisions that I made over time and not going through what I did and not suffering the consequences, mainly that in my case, it's the consequences my children have had to suffer, uh, then it was all worth it. Secondly, uh, Brad, is uh, seven years ago when I was uh, at that bridge that Michael Litz was on, I called a woman in, in Dallas who runs a large speakers bureau and told her I had these problems. I, I just had I'd known her through hiring her firm, you know, didn't know her well. Um, and uh, never even had dinner with her, you know, one of those kind of things. And she said, Sean, write a book. You've had an interesting life. And I, my answer was this. I said, Gail, I'm not that interesting. Well, when you're in prison, you read a lot. And I read dozens and dozens of books. And I said, well, I'm still not that interesting. I'm that, not that interesting. But I'm a lot more interesting than these other people. And so what the intent of the book is, is one, to help somebody. And two, you start talking to groups about it. So really it was to change to become a to become a speaker and to have a speaking career and that's what you're doing right now with me yes sir except i'm not paying you <laughs> no no and and, and and by the way i i speak for free i speak for money but it's about getting the story out there of that really that to me that summation of that airplane flight is exactly what people do i don't you know 99.9 percent .9 of people don't wake up and decide to do something wrong there are people who do. They're wired that way. I, I totally believe that. But most people just get there one step at a time. I, I'm meeting uh, in, in next week with a gentleman who's very famous, and Matt Damon played in the movie. And uh, and he, I think he's going to tell me the same story. I've, I've only seen the movie. I'm getting ready to read his book. But I think he just got there one step at a time. And, uh, and I don't want people to do that. It's the consequences. It's the law, as I call it, the law of unintended consequences. And I would have experienced that with Richard Miller you know, had, had he done what he did? Because, you know, the more I got into it, I thought, he doesn't want to buy this. He wants to take advantage of someone. And is, even though I committed a crime by then, that isn't how I chose to do business. And the person, and, he, um, and the person he wanted to take advantage of was me, right? Exactly. And you, <laughs> yeah. were, great, and you were gracious to forgive me for, for sitting in a meeting going, oh, my God, he wants you to do that? So... Well, look, look, Sean, I appreciate you uh, reaching out for me. I'm a guy who, once again, has done things in my life that I'm not proud of. And I think everyone, if they really have that meeting with the man upstairs, everyone can say the same thing. You know, one of my favorite things is let he was out since cast the first stone. I'm not saying what you did was good, bad, indifferent. I think it's interesting that you were being very upfront about it. And I think that that's what, um, you know, makes life interesting, that you can take a wrong turn and you can say, okay, I screwed up and hopefully I'm back on the right track, right? Correct. And then I will tell you in closing, surround yourself with people who will hold you accountable because all those years I had that, and then as I began to get lost, I didn't have anyone around me 
and left to my own devices, I really screwed up. Sean Hayes and the book, you were, and spelled, and this is your website as well, too. S-H-A-U-N-H-A-Y-E-S. It's SeanHayes.com. Did I get that correct? Yes, sir. And the book is on Amazon. You can pre-order it right now. comes out, what, February 7th, I think you said? Yes, sir. Sean, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, Brad, thank you. Have a wonderful day. Uh-huh, bye-bye. Bye. Well, Shelly? The law of unintended consequences. I talk about that all the time, don't I? I know you do. Okay, we got to take a break because I went long on that. You and I will talk about this afterwards, okay? Perfect. You got questions? I don't know. 750. It is BS.show. Sunroof. Shelly's got the sunroof. Sun, I can't even talk this the morning. The sunroof? <laughs> the sunroof. Shelly's, I talked to Sean Hayes. <laughs> Shelly's got the sunroof open and she's driving down a highway and the snow is calming right in. Uh, and by the way, uh, the smartest woman in the world says I should not be belittling the streets. There's beginning more. There's g- getting more snow on the streets. Hey, I didn't say it was a cakewalk. I just say we don't have six to twelve inches like they say we're going to have, right? But it's 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 um it's a sl- it's, a, it's a, a wintry mix, right? It's the slushy. Which means that in my mind, that it means that it's it's icy rain. Well, it's the slushy stuff, which is not as bad as the yeah. the real powdery stuff, which is super slippery. The the slushy. Let me try that again. The slushy stuff is. I give up. The shushy stuff. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. You're talking to Shelly, and um, you just finished oh, talking to Sean. Right, right. Now you're talking about the sluffy stuff. The sluffy stuff, right? Something like that. Okay. Did you find it interesting that Sean Hayes? Confirm the fact that Richard Miller tried to screw me out of my radio station. <laughs> um, I've never met Richard Miller, so I, I I don't know if I got the full impact of that statement than than you did. But um, I thought it was funny that uh, he that Sean contacted you, knowing that he had the intentions of doing you wrong. Well. Uh- no, what was interesting was, <laughs> I'll tell the story. Richard Miller, on my voicemail one day, I get a phone call. I didn't answer mm-hmm. the phone. I was in a meeting and I said, hey, listen, boy, it's Richard Miller. Richard Miller, listen, I want to buy your radio station. Call me right away. Richard Miller. And he gives a phone number, okay? Once again, everybody in the radio business of who is of a certain age who knew Richard Miller does their Richard Miller voice. Just last week, I called my one of my own radio buddies and left a message on his voicemail as Richard Miller. Okay, it's like the running joke. Running joke was like Richard Miller was this bigger-than-life, crazy, weird, strange guy. I mean, once again, very successful. You know where the Ritz-Carlton is? I do. Richard Miller sold him that property. Richard Miller bought that property for practically nothing because everybody thought that was on the outskirts of Clayton and nobody would want to build there because it's right on the uh, the border between U-City and Clayton and nobody would want to build the bear. You know, he bought that property and sold it for millions of dollars. Okay, so Richard Miller calls me up, says he wants to meet me. I call back the number. It's his house. His maid answers the Miller residence. And I said, is Richard there? So Richard gets on the phone. Listen, boy, I've been tracking you. Uh, you know, I know you worked for me a long time ago. I want to buy your radio station. Tomorrow, 10 o'clock, meet me at Schneidhorse on Lindbergh. Can you do it, boy? Yes, I'll be there. Okay. So I start calling my friends. You're not going to believe it. I'm meeting with Richard Miller tomorrow. Radio people go, really? What's he going to do? He wants to buy my station. Okay. Why did he want to buy KSOQ if I told you the reason? I don't know. It was down the street from one of his favorite restaurants. 
He used to go out to Washington to the Basket Case, which is no longer there now. It's the Tilted Skillet. And he loved that restaurant. So he decided he wanted to be able to walk out the front door of the radio station. We were right there in West 5th Street. Walk two blocks and be in his, in, in his own rest, in his restaurant. And he even to some point told me he was going to buy the restaurant. So, so, so. You know, really, <laughs> truly wealthy people are so funny. Yeah. So, well, here, before the time's up, let me tell you the rest of the story. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, Be- no, no, because because we only have a couple minutes. Yeah, I know. So Hurry up. I show up at Schneidhorst and Richard Miller's there. And in about 20 minutes later, in walks this guy. And Richard says, you know, this is boy. You know, this is he's one of the biggest bankers in town. He's big time, big time. He's sort of like Donald Trump. I go, no, who is it? He says, that's Sean Hayes. So about six months later, I'm meeting with my banker who's not really happy with me. And he says to me, you ever thought about buying the radio station and I are selling the radio station? I go, yeah, I thought about it. He goes, has anybody ever approached you? I go, yeah, it's funny about, you know, a couple months ago, a guy did approach me. He says, who was it? I go, Richard Miller and Sean Hayes. And my banker was like Mr. Laid Back. He about fell out of his chair. He says, Sean Hayes? The banker, Sean Hayes? And I go, yeah. And I swear to God, this is what he said. He needs to be in jail. This was like 2013, you know, like, and I go, what do you mean? He's a crook. He needs to be thrown in jail. And ultimately he did get thrown in jail. He did. Isn't that weird how that happens? Totally weird. God. And you know what? You know what the sad thing about it is? What? We're all, all close to being thrown in jail. Yeah. Because think about it. If you cut that that tag off your mattress that says do not remove this tag under penalty of law the fbi might be surrounding your house right now do you know i have struggled with that my entire life (laughs) i am not kidding (laughs) they're They're surrounding your house right now we're gonna wait till she cuts that tag off her mattress and we're gonna blow it blow her the doors open with a flash a flashbang grenade we're going in we're gonna take her down we know she's got that 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 cutters in her hand right I'm not kidding. The struggle's okay. real, man. We got to go, Shelly. Have a great day. <laughs> oh, bye, everybody. Peace and I fly. Bye, Brad. I can't do that unless you do it. Okay, it's 7.59. <laughs> Have you heard about Salt River Automotive? Not only are we open for business and ready to serve you, we are sponsors of the BS in the Morning Show on Westplex 107.1. Check us out on Facebook at Salt River Automotive, LLC. See you soon.